All right. We are back. Woo! Took some time. <laughs> uh, it takes a lot to get us motivated. Hey, we're busy people. Street Siders, episode whatever, three, te- officially, on the books. Yes. Um, although you, you can find the hidden tracks uh, in, in some of our archives. <clears throat> but um, what is our motto? Learning medicine on the streets, the streets be talking. So uh, I'm Tana. Good to see you guys again. Yep. Um, Jen, so we have no guests today. It's just the two no of us. No guests because this uh, freaking bum decided that it was more important to go outside and get some fresh air and in this beautiful fall weather and go play tennis. You know, I, I don't really want to, um, I guess that talk we were going to talk uh, about ACGME and wellness, uh, we were going to leave for a later time, but um just to hint at that, you know, it's just, he's gaining his wellness. <laughs> <laughs> I hope tomorrow he uh, feels exceptional. Uh, and, and then we'll know that the sunlight and the wellness uh, has done, uh, done him a lot of good. So. Hey man, all this talk uh, about coronavirus and uh, vitamin D supplementation. <clears throat> dude. Hey, natural, <laughs> natural vitamin D. Um, <clears throat> so yeah, we, we are, uh, we are, as a reminder, this is 2020, we are in historic times with a pandemic that will not end. We are spiking like crazy, over 100,000 cases um, in recent days, a bunch of people dying, and uh, the civil unrest with the Black Lives Matter movement and police brutality and you name every other thing that seems like it happened, celebrities that are dying. <laughs> oh yeah all over uh, the place um, a lot of people uh, musicians actors you name it or uh, um, Sean Connery oh yeah get, the, if there's some, somebody who could survive the the COVID not that he died of COVID but this pandemic it would be him because he pretty much survived everything but uh, but he did not and it is November 6th uh, Three days ago, we had uh, and hit and uh, I hate it when people say that we had a hist. <laughs> although that's kind of sound funny, is it an historic or a, a historic, historic election? Um, which they say about every election. I'm I'm pretty sure every election actually is historic. I don't know what makes this particular one more historic than anything else. Just that it's in a pandemic time period. Um, and uh, over those three days, although uh, Tan BC called it early and said that Trump was going to win, it in fact turns out that there's been a, 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 a shift and it appears at this moment, although we probably might not know until next week, that Biden will actually win. Mm-hmm. Uh, as my friend, yeah, well, okay, I don't want to oh. disparage anybody. Put somebody, <laughs> somebody might hunt me down. But um, so, so this may be it for Trump. Um, if, if there's anything that we want to say, no, we don't, we don't want to disparage anybody on, um, on whatever platform where this might be called. It's not satellite radio. It's just a stupid podcast that's downloaded on the computer and then pushed out. But you know, we're really not going to probably have a lot of time to talk about Trump in the future. Why would we, right? He's, he's getting kind of old. 
Um, so one thing that kind of came to my mind is uh, talking about presidents and their health. And the Donald people realize um, is unusually tan. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yet his eyes are not. So I'm assuming he's got the little goggles on when he's getting uh, in his tanning bed. Although the tanning bed takes some time. I cannot imagine that there's actually a tanning bed inside the White House, now that I think about it. And it would be exceedingly unusual for him to go to a store. And can you imagine you're the president of the United States and you walk into Hello. a strip mall tanning yeah. bed and you shut down the whole place so you can get your tan. So my guess is he's spray tanning. That is what I'm getting at. <clears throat> so then I, my mind started wondering, as it often does, I was thinking, well, what other presidents were as tan as Donald Trump? And the, the, the main one that comes to mind, of course, is JFK. So. JFK, uh, you know, because we discussed this, but also because you kind of knew already. Um, it was confirmed, in fact, that he had Addison's disease, so, which is primary adrenal insufficiency. And when you le read a lot of these egghead medical journals, people who have nothing better to do, um, how this was suspected later um, without talking to the people who actually were able to confirm the diagnosis was that when he was, I don't, I forget what the famous picture was when he was either campaigning or, or what, but basically it was November <clears throat> and he had a really nice tan. And so people were thinking, well, what's going on here? Um, and so eventually with more detective work, um, it was, uh, realized that he had a uh, primary adrenal sufficiency, which can make patients look tan, even though they're not actually getting tan due to the underlying mechanism. Now, here's the interesting thing. While I was doing a little bit of a work, uh, uh, looking into this, uh, I did not know in 1955 in the annals of surgery, a a series of cases were published. And if I recall correctly, it was case number three. It was this uh, mystery 30, I think at that time, 35 year old or something like that, um, who had uh, this low back problem. He had surgery, he had this adrenal crisis of insufficiency. And um, when people, did a little bit more investigating, uh, it turned out that this patient later was confirmed by people in the know, uh, was later confirmed as JFK. So not only that, so um, then looking back at the history, the disease is named after a British, uh, English physician, mm -hmm. um, Addison. <laughs> I think it was Tom, I think it was Thomas Addison. I can't uh, one hundred percent verify that right now, but he first described that phenomenon of the atrophied adrenal and the disease in eighteen fifty five, a hundred years before the JFK article that was published 
in the annals of surgery where he was a mystery patient number three, but later again, went by people uh, who were involved corroborated to be JFK. So how about that? 100 oh. years later, after old Dr. Addison described this problem, uh, JFK's case, uh, which would ultimately become famous, was published. Huh. And you know what I don't understand? So um, today, uh, speaking about Addison's disease and names and stuff like that, <clears throat> you know, there are certain names that we've kind of abandoned. Uh, yeah, I was thinking maybe... that too. Yeah. So actually today, we, we, we're in Memorial Court and we talked about Parkinson's disease and autonomic dysfunction, which now it's called, I think, multiple autonomic Multi atrophy. Uh, Multi-system. Uh, uh, Multi-system autonomic dysfunction. I don't know, something. But, you know, when I was a med student, uh, let's look it up. <laughs> oh, crap. <laughs> I thought it was multi-system atrophy, but that sounds kind of weird. Multi-system atrophy it is. Oh, yeah, yeah. So, so yeah. But, but then what I don't understand is, um, you know, when I was a med student, we always learned it as shy Dreger syndrome. Yeah. So then I did some research. I'm like, did Professor or Dr. Shy or Dr. Dreger do anything wrong? You know, were they like, yeah. nothing. <laughs> uh, and, Not that I think uh, I can find. You remember uh, John Carter on ER, uh, you know, his grandmother has shy Drager syndrome. So that's, <laughs> that's how I remember that. Uh, and you know, yeah, um, look, I get it. People want to use names that, uh, first of all, describe, well, uh, so why are we moving away from eponyms? Number one. So that's the question, I guess, <clears throat> yes. So um, part of it is because, um, Typically, a lot of people were involved in discovering the said disease, and people feel it's unfair to single out one person. Oftentimes, the person for whom the disease is named actually probably had the least to do with that <laughs> diagnosis. So I get that. Okay. Next, of course, you have the whole Nazi angle. These guys uh, did experiment on people uh, and actually, you know, for better or worse, did find out uh, a lot of um, – things medically, but we don't want to honor uh, in, in that way the uh, Nazis who were involved in human experimentation against, against people's will uh, is, is really what it comes down to. <clears throat> and then um, uh, I think the third component is that people want to uh, uh, name diseases that are a little bit more um, uh, descriptive in their actual name, right? Mm. And, you know, I get all of that sentiment, but really, look, I, you know, I love eponyms. I became a fan of triads and eponyms and all this other stuff during my surgery rotation in med school. And for, because, you know, of all the groups of physicians, mm -hmm. uh, specialties, you know, surgeons take probably, I would uh, argue, the, the most pride in the history of their mm -hmm. craft. You know, That's true. You, 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 have, you have all these great surgeons. You got the DeBakeys. You got the Halsteads. Um, uh, and was Halstead a surgeon? Uh, was he the one that was on uh, cocaine? <laughs> Double check that. Um, <clears throat> and, and they uh, are often are very um, knowledgeable about medical history. I always, oh, I always, in addition that? to cocaine, morphine. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, they, they all kind of run together, right? <laughs> So, um, I, I don't know if he met with his HR department, but uh, he was doing a lot of surgeries coked up. 
anyway, I was impressed with how the surgeons really knew their history. And I never got, you know, I mean, I never got as much of a sense of that from on the medicine side. Although, mm -hmm. you know, certainly I think the attendings do, but, but it just seemed like it was kind of a bigger deal. So, you know, and you got the Harvey Cushing's, you know, you got all these great giants. And look, I think it's okay to call something Cushing syndrome or the Cushing response to increasing intracranial pressure. What else are you going to call it? I mean, I guess you could call it the physiological response to increase intracranial pressure but you, look he's got a cushing reflex <laughs> it's just yeah. a little bit easier uh osler weber ronda disease hereditary hemorrhagic telangiectasia yeah that's a more descriptive term but really i mean I hyde syndrome i mean you, you name yeah. it you go all up and down the list um and it's part of, I don't know, it's certainly delving into uh, more dangerous territories. But it is getting into this culture where we're taking people's names out who ever did anything wrong uh, yeah. in this world. And, um, you know, in that case, we would not have any names because, like, all these guys were slaveholders and, um, mm -hmm. you know, everyone has done something terrible. Yeah. So I mean, I don't know. I mean, uh, I don't know how many... Uh, the people that listen to us, but I guess my big thing is there are, I guess, as long as they didn't do something egregious, uh, like, you know, experiment on uh, non-willing, you know, like the Nazi stuff. Yeah. Yeah. That's pretty bad. <laughs> what's, you know, I think the, 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 the six, the, the findings that they found and the efforts that they placed in, I mean, what's wrong with the uh, recognition? I just don't, you know, understand. I'm like reading through uh, some of this stuff and Dr. House said, granted, he was addicted to cocaine and morphine. And yes, that is bad. Don't get me wrong. And, <laughs> but hey. <laughs> like he, he uh, according to uh, Osler's diary, according to Wikipedia, uh, said that he uh, was unable, he was unable to take less than 200 milligrams per day, according to Osler's diary. <laughs> hey man, you started getting the shakes or something. <laughs> but this guy is known for starting the first uh, residency training system in the United States. He was a champion for um, uh, ace, like uh, like um, sterile procedures and wearing gloves and things. And these are all things that we do. And I think, I mean, he may have had a little bit of a drug problem, but <laughs> look, man, the guy has done um, a bunch of stuff yeah. that has benefited. I mean, there is no residency. I mean, I'm, maybe, I'm sure they could have, but he is uh, one of the founding fathers of residency programs. And I just think that recognition is important. And I don't know where it all comes from. Of, uh, and I don't want to judge, but all these guys trying to be appropriate and, and everything else, but there's nothing wrong with recognizing history. Right. Yeah, I don't yeah, know. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, Michael DeBakey has uh, surgical instruments, forceps named after him. Mm -hmm. um, so uh, you know, it, it's, it, and, and he, you know, one of the foremost cardiovascular surgeons, <clears throat> surgeons in the world. Um, and I don't know if you know, uh, do you know the story about how he died? I may have mentioned it before, but perhaps, uh, um, is he the guy that died of dissection? Yeah. So Michael DeBakey, a Tulane, uh, university graduate, uh -huh. Tulane university named after Paul Tulane, of course. Um, uh, but uh, the, uh, probably the foremost cardiothoracic surgeon who has ever lived, he pioneered the aortic um, dissection repair surgery. 
really a fascinating story. There was an article in the New York Times uh, a number of years ago that uh, I think within maybe 10 years that tells this story. And it's a fascinating read that really I think uh, anybody would get a lot out of. So basically what happened is at the age of 97, he started having chest pain. And as uh, the pioneer of that category of diseases um, and expert, he knew he was having a dissection. And he's 97 years old. Who is holy crap? Uh, do surgery, and who's going to be willing to uh, accept surgery <coughs> at that um, age? So he told his uh, much younger wife he did not want surgery and mm -hmm. absolutely refused. And so basically, over the course of about a month, he just kept declining and declining and declining and declining to the point where he basically could not. Um, he, he, he was, he was, you know, getting close to death. He couldn't really do anything at that mm -hmm. point. So, and at some point he pretty much becomes incapacitated and comatose. So what did his wife do at that time? <laughs> she did what any good wife would do. And she said, hell no, you are not going like this. So she had a meeting with the, um, I think he was at uh, Baylor in Houston at that time, a Methodist and had a meeting um ultimately there was an ethics committee meeting he uh she uh talked with his protege the uh -huh. brain essentially and i believe she was an anesthesiologist if i remember correctly but she mm -hmm. uh, begged the surgery the surgeons the anesthesiologist the whole department to do surgery on him even though he explicitly <laughs> said no surgery <laughs> and i gotta tell you if that's not uh, kind of a, a, a big picture look at marriage. I don't know what it is. <laughs> She's going to do whatever she wants. All right. You are powerless. You are the world's uh, greatest surgeon and possibly the most cited uh, physician of all time. It doesn't matter. You're going to do what I tell you. Oh, you're you're gonna do. <laughs> so what did they do? They operated. They are not going to... Uh, uh, hell hath no fury like a woman scorned, which doesn't exactly fit this particular story, but yeah. you know, she's pissed off. And so they did the surgery. <clears throat> he survived. And after he recovered and came out of everything, what do you think he said? He said, you know, I'm glad they did the surgery. <laughs> <laughs> he lived two more years uh, long enough to get the, um, I forget which medal, the presidential uh, Medal of Honor. He, he um, not for military, but the highest the civilian uh, uh -huh. honor um, from I believe it was uh, George Bush. Huh. Um, he, he lived old enough to receive that medal from him, and the whole time I'm reading this article, I'm thinking, you know, what's the take-home lesson here? That DNRs and all these other pre-mortem decisions if the world's greatest surgeon cannot make that decision how are you supposed to expect some dude off the street do you want to get intubated do you want cpr do you want powerful meds to raise your blood pressure do you want this that and other i mean it's like dizzying how are they yeah. supposed to know what exactly they want you know even if the intubation was going to be for 30, you know 72 hours and you would potentially survive who can make these decisions I, I agree. I think it's one of the hardest things. 
Yeah. And then we, 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 we pressure them. It's like, you know, I don't, uh, I've seen in the worst uh, situation of that, (laughs) (laughs) somebody who's decompensating and the, the uh, glidoscope is in the hand. Are you sure you want us to? (laughs) (laughs) And the guy's like, what? Just, just, I'm fine. It's like, are you sure? How how do you, how how do you uh, make that decision? I think. Yeah. It's in coercion, yeah. I mean, no, yeah. are paternalistic, so what do you expect? Well, I, I think that's pretty interesting. See, that's the thing. Um, I wish, and again, I don't know, how was it in your med school? So in my med school, we learned just basically pathophys, path, you know, all this other stuff. But there's so much uh, history that I think you don't really learn about uh, medicine. And I think it's so fantastic. Yeah. I mean, it might be one of those things where you looked back and probably it was a little bit here and there, but yeah, I agree. You didn't get anything like that in the classroom. If anything, you just got it from your attendings or the, you know, residents or whatever who had that kind of interest. Yeah. But, um, but no, we didn't get much of that at all. And, and, and it's like anything else in life, like, you know, the older you get, the more you appreciate it. I was certainly not much of a history fan, I guess, you know, growing up in, in high school or whatever, but, but it's something now that you really do appreciate a lot more because, you know, you, you think about the crazy stuff that people did back in the days and how with the very limited, you know, tools that they had were able to have such amazing powers of observation and experimentation to come to such an, an important understanding of what's going on without a CT scan or echo and all this other stuff, it, it's pretty remarkable. Yeah, I think it's, I mean, I think that's why we uh, we don't appreciate it. I think I told you, so nowadays patient comes in with uh, PUD. I mean, it's easy. You put them on a protonics, you know, drip or IV, whatever, and then they get better, they go home, easy. I mean, I was talking to my uncle the other day and he had a uh, peptic ulcer disease, he said, and they basically kept him in the hospital to see if he perforated or not. If he perforated, <laughs> you go to the OR. If you didn't, then you're okay. And there you uh, go. You get to go home. And he said <laughs> him and another guy were in the bed together. And that guy perforated and died. And oh, for him, he said goodness. he might have survived because the nurse was like, I don't know if this is true, but I, you just chug a bunch of milk. So he <laughs> chugged milk for like three or four days and he didn't perforate. And now oh he's uh, doing well. And, you know, for uh, me who uh, just finished training not too long ago, I mean, you hear that you're like, that's ridiculous. And, or like, you know, I know some of the older physicians, they talk about like STEMIs. Now we do heart casts, but before they would just wash the tombstones. Oh, yeah. hey. Yeah, there was no cath, <laughs> no angioplasty. <laughs> you just watch and you, you know, uh, keep them in bed rest and try to diminish stress. Yeah, absolutely. Was that in Korea, your uncle? That was in Korea, yeah. And well, so I looked when the PPIs get uh, first, the first one came out. I think Omeprazole came out first in 1987. And this happened when he was in like early 80s. And so, you know, I don't know if America did anything different. You know, it, it's so funny how quite possibly one of the most technologically advanced countries in the world, South Korea now. Uh Um, And and even though this was many years ago, but that, um, you know, look, 
I think there's a lot of medicine we don't understand, and certainly from the Eastern medicine standpoint. But, uh-huh. but you know, I mean, <laughs> y- you know, <laughs> when it's like you got everything <laughs> for digestion, yeah. you know, you're eating all these other different things and whatever, and how that kind of society can be juxtaposed <laughs> with the society that's just built on myth and tradition, yeah. it's, it's, it's crazy. Oh, I mean, they got a bunch of those for medicine. I, did I ever tell you? So supposedly um, some guy died because he had the fan on in his room. And <laughs> the news basically said that he died because he uh, because the fan was on and he suffocated. And so when we're growing up, the rule was you're not allowed to turn on the fan because you might die. Hey, hey, hey. <laughs> How can you argue with that logic? <laughs> <laughs> and so... You know, until it, it took until I got to med school, I'm like, how does phy- physiologically a ceiling fan cause suffocation? Come on, Jim. He probably aspirated, got some mold spores in there or something. But you know, I hey, look. I have a fondness for Eastern medicine because um, when I was, uh, I think, less than a year old, uh-huh. I had some horrible. GI illness something I don't even remember the details at this point but um my parents you know took me to many doctors and they couldn't do anything for me and they actually thought I was going to die oh, and then crap. my mom uh took me to some dude you know he had the herbs and did this and that and I got better oh so you know now granted that was a long time ago <laughs> when there really was no medicine I guess really to do <laughs> But um, yeah, yeah, so so you know, g- going to see a, 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 a kind of a traditionally trained physician X number of years ago probably was not saying much. But hey, yeah. you know, hey. whatever the dude did, you know. Look, and and I think there's uh, roles for uh, natural um, herbs and all this other stuff. I mean, we talk about talking to the um, residents and talking about how patients that don't want to take statins tell them to take the red yeast extract because they have lovastatin in it. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it, it doesn't, I don't want people to think that we're just trashing, you know, Eastern no, uh, medicine. Dude, Cause there's a lot Korean, of Korean, man. I mean, you but, know, it's whether we hate it or not. I mean, it's, that's, it's part of our blood. Exactly. Our DNA. Uh, <laughs> so, it's just like the Han, you know, you can't get rid of it, man. <laughs> oh, oh, that's so funny. I was actually talking to the uh, team. So I have a Korean resident on my team, as you know, and I was talking about one of our uh, intensivists who's also Korean. And I was telling her, I was like, did you get to work with him? And she's like, no, I was like, hey, you know, he loves Koreans. He's always like, dude, Koreans got to stick together. Hun. (laughs) (laughs) And she was like, oh, my mom's the same way. She won't listen to half the things I say. And then all of a sudden I'm like, and this Korean doctor. And she's like, what? (laughs) Like, tell me more. (laughs) Or for for the audience uh, who may be less uh, uh, in on that in, uh, information, can you explain what the Han, the H-A-N, is in the Korean culture? Oh crap! Um, you know it. So actually, the that intensivist and I were uh, sitting in front of the uh, pack station, and we were trying to define what Han was because he said he was trying to describe it to his other intensivist, and they're like, "What the crap is that?" Yeah. <laughs> and basically, it's like this. How would I? Do- would you describe it as like a sense of nationalism almost? Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> is and, I think the and, best and way to describe suff- it. Uh, combined with like suffering. 
Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right? Yeah. It, it's not a happy thing. <laughs> yes. It's like, it's the, it's that same, I, I think the best way we describe it was, it's that same nationalism and suffering, that way you put it, that I think the Korean uh, population mm-hmm. felt when they were under the Japanese imperial rule. Yeah. You know, and for whatever reason, that still lingers, which is why to this point, uh, most Koreans who are a little bit older will only buy like Kias and Hyundais and Hondas <laughs> and Toyotas. Yeah, man, what, what are you trying to say? <laughs> Can, you know, well, I was going to say Kias are good cars, but they're actually still pretty crappy. Uh, but, but that is what I drive. <laughs> oh, no, not you. I wasn't yeah. even thinking about uh, you. Uh, 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 hey, okay. Get it. Yeah, yeah. Um, right. So it, it's, um. it, it's, yeah, there, there's nothing happy about the Han. It's, no. it's that. That, you know, and it's it's funny you mentioned the nationalism. So you know, the thing is, look, it's thousands of years. It's called the Hermit Kingdom for a reason. It's thousands of years of just interbreeding, and yeah. you're not going to get rid of that in the in one generation. Exactly. <laughs> it's deep in our DNA. Yeah. I don't I don't know what what the is it a C G A T? I don't know. It's in I there somewhere. It's though. in there. It's right next to the one that makes us turn red. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah you, get, you get both of those in, in your intro. So, <clears throat> anyways, uh, I mean, I think this kind is Kind of veering all... off the path of yeah, the presidential politics and, and, uh, and, and, you know, and our current culture and, and yeah. uh, the hell that is happening in this world. But, uh, well, a, a <clears throat> history is important. I think uh, that was kind of the point that we were kind of getting at and all of these things. And um, because again, I think things uh, repeat itself and we kind of started off, you know, as on the lighter side, because like you said, yeah, this is 2020 has been kind of crazy. And it took me a minute. Cause you're like athlete side. I'm like, who died? And like <laughs> Kobe died. And, you know, we got the black Panther. Uh, Chad yeah, Chad Rebozo, yeah. And, yeah. and, you know, I think those are, um, reasons why we have to remember history and kobe was pre-pandemic right i mean like pre- when it really went yeah went, went big yeah but yeah uh right february 24th or third something i mean something. It, like his 224 is number <laughs> speaking of funny history did you did you know this so i'm just doing a little searching because you know we're talking about um that a surgeon and uh, uh osler since uh, you had mentioned it William Osler, who was one of the founding uh, fathers of Johns Hopkins, <laughs> later on, as he got older, he wrote, uh, it said, effective moving, vitalizing work is done between the ages of 20 and 40, and then goes downhill from there, uh, stated that uh, afterwards, uh, they should retire, men should retire at 67, give a year to settle their affairs, and then peacefully extinguished by chloroform. <laughs> Hey, that's how they do it. <laughs> they're voluntary or not. Oh, man. It's, that is and, hilarious. And then he wrote in his book. Extinguished. He wrote in his textbook, pneumonia is the friend of the aged because it allows old people to quit, die a quick, painless death. Yeah. And then, <clears throat> how old are you going to say? No, yeah, it, so that, that's interesting. So, right. They call pneumonia the old man's best friend. Because, yeah. you know, you kind of die peaceably, whatever. But then I'm thinking, and I've never had pneumonia, but you saw patients who have it. 
I'm thinking pneumonia, dyspnea is quite possibly one of the most uncomfortable feelings in the world. Yes. How is dying from pneumonia <laughs> an old man's best friend? <laughs> That's what I'm saying. I mean, You're if like I had suffocating to, to yeah. death. If I had a guess, it would be like a cardiac arrest and you just die. You know, you have the heart attack and you're done. I guess. Like, but... I think we you need know. to re- revisit uh, Osler's uh, sayings. <laughs> we, should, we should come up with a book and just make the modern version of that. Uh, uh, you know, not, not I mean, peaceably oh, extinguish yourself. Oh, like speaking of like, you know, the pandemic, <laughs> uh, pandemic and pneumonia. So COVID pneumonia or, you know, a viral pneumonia. I mean, we've seen enough of these patients. Uh, they're not that peaceful. They're yeah. pretty tachypnic. Yeah. I mean, you, you've had experience just as I have. A lot of these patients, you know, actually I asked someone to the ICU uh, just because they were too agitated. Just that dyspnea feeling, like you're saying, is the worst. So, yeah, um, <clears throat> you see the spectrum, certainly. And um, I sent you the article about the uh, uh, quote unquote happy hypoxia. Uh-huh. So you see patients who are struggling and just cannot deal with the pulmonary issues. And then you have these dudes, women, dudes who are on 100%, you know, vapotherm, 55 liters per minute. And they're just sitting there and you're like, hey, uh, how's it going? He's like, oh, yeah, I feel good. (laughs) uh, Are you sure? Because on paper, you look like you're about to die. Oh, yeah, yeah, I'm all right. (laughs) It's uh, those article written, um, I think, by pulmonologists that kind of describe that a few months ago, this this happy hypoxia, where they just on paper look awful, but somehow look physically okay. And I think that's part of the lesson that we learned because on paper, these are patients that you would intubate pretty quickly. And in the early parts of the era of COVID, that's what we did. Not we, because we have a closed ICU, but that's actually a discussion for another time. (laughs) But um, but those patients were intubated a lot earlier, and uh-huh. um, turns out they had a lot worse mortality when that yeah. happened. So we've been delaying intubation, and you got these guys not even in the ICU on maximum oxygen ventilatory support, uh, but just not intubated. And over time, you know, enough of them actually are surviving. So it's pretty crazy. No, I and you know that's the thing. I think. Um, this is just as I, I, so, you know, to be fair, I'm 30, so I'm not old. <laughs> um, but as you, I guess, advance in your professional career and you age in your professional compared to the residents, you realize like a lot of this history, a lot of these things that we kind of talk about, it kind of all correlates. And so while it's important, you need to know your basic pathophys and everything else. I mean, all of this stuff kind of all uh, is important and it all kind of adds on to your own medical knowledge and it goes to show that <clears throat> I will take blame my generation is guilty of making things very uh, shift work what can we do for our wellness and 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 how can we make this so that we have a work-life balance but uh, medicine is one of those things that like you need to be curious and continuously you know delve into these things because there's it's just a continuous learning you know what I mean yeah yeah Absolutely. Uh, You know, you think about just even the history of the 1900s, which was not that long ago, in 1999, but from uh, uh, all of the medical advances that have happened in that century. And, 
you know, we went from not knowing anything pretty much mm-hmm. um, to just amazingly advanced diagnostic and therapeutic things. You know, you're talking about earlier <clears throat> about peptic ulcer disease and we know um, uh, non-strolls NSAIDs are one of the biggest causes of PD mm-hmm. and of course H. pylori. So that's going to be, you know, probably 90 plus percent. And the idea that H. pylori, a bacteria, caused peptic ulcer disease in the course of history is a recent phenomenon. Yeah, it is. The guys yeah. that died, um, uh, um, there's an Aussie and I think a New Zealander, uh, Marshall, why don't you look that up while I'm talking? Uh, one of the guys was Marshall Rob, uh, and Robin something. But it was in the early 80s, in the 1980s, I think 82 or 83, where they first ran the experiment, drinking H. pylori slurries to essentially give themselves peptic ulcer disease. Yeah. At that time, and this is, uh, I, I want to spend a long time teasing all this out in another episode, but it, I'm talking about um, experts and uh, what we think we know because it is such a huge category, but this is one prime example where at that time, people thought it was ridiculous that a bacteria could cause ulcer disease. It was stress. It was spicy food. You still hear that now. Oh, I still hear that uh, even oh, yeah. now. Koreans. Yeah. Koreans, oh, I'm course. sorry. Let's get back to it. Oh. Oh. Spicy food. Number my Watch my. Yeah. You know, oh. and... Uh, um, so they ran the experiment and it kind of proved their point. And then when do you think, so eventually that experiment, that discovery, uh-huh. Nobel Prize. Yeah. 2005. In I 2005, almost 25 years later, it took the world to agree and believe and honor these guys, the Nobel Prize for the discovery and it took society that long. 2005 was not that long ago. Can you imagine 20 plus years these guys ran the experiment and sat on it, nobody believed them. And finally, it came to a point where they won the Nobel Prize, named for Alfred Nobel. We could call it some other name, but you know, he has a foundation and he's paying for it. So I guess it's still the Nobel Prize. <laughs> Oh my gosh, you know what's funny? So I'm looking at the timeline. So it sounds like they uh, wrote a letter to The Lancet um, saying, um, hey, like, this is what we found. And then they're like, (laughs) no. (laughs) uh, They present it at the local college of physicians, which then I assume because they're all both from Australia, because I'm Mm -hmm. fact checking. So I'm thinking like, you know, like uh, our state uh, ACP type of place, which I've been to them, they accept everything. But here they say, oh, uh, they're met with uh, criticism. And then they try to submit it to the GI Society of Australia, and then it gets rejected, which is hilarious because you submit anything to national conferences and it gets accepted these days, all the abstracts. (laughs) And then finally it it starts uh, getting accepted like a year later. And so it it took, you know, a couple of years uh, for, like you said, for people to believe this. And they said you were full of, you know, whatever. And so... Yeah. <laughs> and I'll reemphasize it at a later time, but it, it look, it, we need to listen to our experts, 
but you know science the quote-unquote facts of science change and morph over time we see it in a microcosm with covid and this is what drives me crazy because you know people made proclamations and uh made points about mass and all this other stuff early on is it airborne is it droplet whatever and the science keeps changing and i don't think society really understands or accepts that mm -hmm. you know we see science changing over decades and centuries but with covid in realistically eight short months i mean the science has changed tremendously oh, yeah. and it makes it seem like people are contradicting each other, the experts. And I guess it would be that case if the people are dogmatically proclaiming things at that time. Mm -hmm. And I think that's part of the problem with physicians and so-called experts is that they can't really dial it down and, you know, maybe presume that they could be wrong. And I think that's what's leading us into trouble and it's confusing everybody um and and we you know we need to try to fix that because it's still changing the science is still changing it's not over you know are we is this plasma helping much who knows remdesivir you know maybe a little bit i mean just uh, all up and down the list and i think that's a good point um i don't know if you've gotten the same sense but as a part of uh, our jobs as uh, training residents for whatever reason, you know, we talk about like the Dunning-Kruger effect. I think I said that right this time. Yeah, you uh, <laughs> did. Um, which uh, is, for those that don't know, is the uh, overestimation of your own uh, skills with uh, small gains of uh, knowledge. You know, people think that they're absolutely right as they gain just a little bit more knowledge. And it's the uh, openness to know that you may be wrong that I think a lot of people have a hard time, especially my generation. And I feel like I, I can feel safe saying that because it is, I'm part of that same generation. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I definitely see that. Although to be fair, you know, I would imagine that, well, first of all, I'm sure that's a phenomenon that is no respecter of decades. I'm sure if anything, <laughs> one can make an argument that it was even worse back in the older days, because in the old days you had maybe much let uh, a smaller number of experts. So uh -huh. if you're a physician, you know, like you are the authority, people are yeah. listening to you. And, um, uh, you know, you, you, you do not get questioned these mm -hmm. days. It's like, whatever, dude, I read this on Google. You are wrong. And you know what? Sometimes they're right. And you are wrong. <laughs> oh, yes. So, you know, it's, uh, I, I, you know, people deride, uh, Dr. Google. Uh, but I gotta tell you, Google knows more about medicine than you do. So oh. we have to be humble. That yeah. Way. Did I tell you uh, when I was an intern, we had a patient come in, he was spitting up what looked like the bronchi, you know, later oh, diagnosed yeah, yeah. bronchitis, and, <laughs> yeah. and the pulmonologist was like, dude, I have no idea what you have. And they were just kind of watching symptoms. And then one day the wife came in was, and texted uh, him. I was like, hey, doesn't this look the same? And he was like, yeah, it does. It's like, I think this is it. And he's like, oh crap, it may be. So sent him off and that was the diagnosis. And Look, the wife found it all through Google. Yeah. You know, just so, typing uh, uh, jelly stuff looks like long, you know, spinning out <laughs> like things like that. And hey. Did you, uh, I hope you put her name on the uh, post strap track. Oh, uh, no. <laughs> I should have. <laughs> you should have. <sighs> all right. We're, we're, we're kind of, we're all over the place. Yeah. So that's all hey, right. 
So backtrack. So we, what we're going to talk about is we were going to introduce about um, uh, presidents and uh, we were going to talk about some interesting facts. Yes, uh, presidential trivia. Oh, by the way, and, and I'm kind of mad at you because um, we don't have a theme song yet. Oh. So Although, hey, Keanu. kind of boring. I'm going to have to ask What's Keanu because he has a theme song that he got from somewhere uh, and he used it for our um, website and some be like, oh, hey. Right. You got it for free? Like, uh, how'd you do that? <laughs> the uh, On the Anchor website, they have ones that you can use for free. And, oh. but, you know, they, they kind of suck. <laughs> hey, well, I did uh, purchase the uh, master class for uh, music making by oh, with Timberlake. Geez. So, hey, man. <laughs> uh, hey, man, Timberlake. I might do some Timberlake Swiss beats. <laughs> okay, let me... Uh, let's see. I, be I gotta finish the class, though. <laughs> uh, yeah, he <laughs> just started. We're gonna get something crappy next week. <laughs> So presidential trivia. Now you've yes. been um, reading up on trivia stuff. Uh-huh. So um, you, I feel like we'll definitely have some things to add, but I want to uh, point out a few um, trivia things. These are off the top of my head. So you might need to, somebody out there might need to actually fact check me, but I'm pretty sure. So, <clears throat> and this is why it would uh, be great to have a third person in particular resident so that we can kind of pimp them, especially oh, yeah. in since, um, you know, he probably doesn't know much about presidential history. So um, a often miss, um, uh, a, a piece of trivia that is often missed, and that is who was the youngest person, I guess at this point, we can say male because they're all men. Who was the youngest man to be president? Ooh. Who is was this who we had talked about in office the youngest person now most people reflexively would say jfk okay. our earlier topic he was not the oh, youngest yeah. person to be president he was the youngest person elected president the youngest person to actually assume office was teddy roosevelt after mckinley got assassinated so that is a very commonly missed trivia question if it comes up on jeopardy guys and it has before, don't miss it. I, I um, do remember that. <clears throat> the Now, I guess we could pivot to, uh, w- well, regard irregardless, which apparently now is accepted as a word, <laughs> which my wife and other, you know, uh, um, journalist majors are, are spinning in their graves, although she's not dead. No, but, you know, <laughs> you, you get what I'm saying. Like, because they would, they would, they would cry if, if they heard someone yeah. say irregardless and that it's actually accepted now. But anyway, uh-huh. right now, I believe, and you can check me out this year, uh, uh, but Donald Trump is the oldest president in office. He is. Is this correct? This now, is correct. Uh, so whether it is uh, he or Joe Biden who assumes office, because Joe Biden is older, uh, potentially, by uh, either one of them will be the oldest person to actively be in office as president. Yeah, there you have it. So here, here are my uh, questions. Let's say if you know these are, as that was just uh, googling, and so this is just me since uh, I don't know if people don't know, but uh, Hannah is really good with uh, trivia. So here are the uh, trivia questions. See if you know, since we oh. don't have the resident to. Crap. Like we were talking about. <laughs> oh, I'm getting sweaty. <laughs> who is the uh, who was the first president to be born in the United States? Oh man! 
excellent question. <laughs> I feel like at one point I knew this, but oh crap. Great question. I mean, you're gonna have to get into the early 1800s, I would imagine. Um, I'd say uh, Monroe. Martin Van Buren. Oh crap! That's the other ones were there. all just yeah. uh, you know natural yeah, all, whatever all, all holdovers. Yeah. Yeah. Martin Van Buren. <laughs> oh, yeah. <clears throat> oh, uh, b before you go on, let me throw okay. out another very classic trivia question. It's brought up because there are people who believe that if Biden wins, that Trump may actually come back and try to go for round two. I can't imagine he would do that, but he's probably, you know, narcissistic uh, enough to, to do that. <laughs> um, so, but the only president to serve two non-consecutive terms. Oh, oh, crap. I read that somewhere. And then I, I was believe, like, oh, I think. Was he the 22nd and 24th president? So it's one. That's why when you like look at presidents, it's like. Oh, I have it. Is like, it was one of the questions. Oh, oh my God. <laughs> it's Grover Cleveland. It Who is. could forget him? It is. Man. Which I would never have guessed. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that someone would try to run again. Yeah. It's like, I lost. I'm going to go start giving speeches for $20,000. Hey, hey, I want to be president again. <laughs> and then you won. <laughs> I would imagine that would be a great question. Who, who else has actually tried that? Uh, I would imagine more than one person, but, but they didn't win. Grover Cleveland, though. No, that's the only one I know. Knocking it oh, out. here's another one. Ooh. Uh, wait. Oh, who are the uh, two um, presidents who have been uh, impeached? Try uh -huh. impeached. <laughs> uh, all right. So this is a tricky question because impeach, meaning full impeachment, they were kicked out of office. Like, or they actually, uh, because Trump was impeached, but his impeachment did not... Um, I guess so we're outside the, of Trump because this is Senate, before yeah. Trump. Yeah. yeah. So that would be uh, Andrew Johnson. Oh, wow. You know your history. He was uh, – no, I only know that because he's from Tennessee. My wife is from Tennessee. <laughs> and there's a certain amount of pride and disdain <laughs> for, <laughs> you know. It's like that love-hate relationship. <laughs> um, and then Nixon, I guess. But I don't know if he was – no, he Nixon resigned. Nixon resigned before. Resigned so the other before. one – you know the other one. I thought the other one would oh, be easier. Clint. <laughs> no, but but that's the thing. Yeah, I mean. But it's the iffy ones. Yeah. Yeah, it, it's like you you have you you didn't undergo full impeachment where you were actually kind of kicked out of office. I think Johnson was like actually kicked Man. out of office. I can't I can't remember. But yeah, I Trump, have to do Trump a was in, Yeah, Trump was impeached too, but that, that, or you know, he 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 avoided it. Yeah. This is this is the last one that I saw that was kind of interesting. Do you know? Um, uh, Harry S. Truman. Yes. <clears throat> what did the S stand for? Oh, it just stood for nothing. It was just an initial. Wow, you yeah. know so much trivia. <laughs> because there was no, there's no period after the S. Is that right? So, so it depends who you oh, talk okay. to, because you know some nerds put uh, periods <laughs> and some don't, and so it, it is. Uh, it just kind of uh, depends on who you talk to. It's like, it's like, well, I don't know if it ever was, but it's like Dr. Pepper, you know, Dr. Pepper, there's no period after the doctor. Hey, was there, is Dr. Pepper named after like somebody? Um, yeah, you know, Mr. Uh, Pepper. Mr. Pepper. <laughs> you know, because his, his dad was a doctor. Oh, another trivia question. Which is older, Dr. Pepper or Coca-Cola? 
I want to say Dr. Pepper now that it's, you ask. It is Dr. Pepper. That's right. Hey, cause, I, think, I think by ear. Because I think there's some uh, story. So when I, I went to school in Columbus, Georgia, and, uh, you know, Coca-Cola is embraced by the state of Georgia and Atlanta because, you know, yes. they're like, this is their thing. But supposedly Columbus says, that's our thing, in addition to Aflac the duck. Um, <laughs> <laughs> because uh, I guess there was some pharmacist or something who had the recipe. Yeah, and ran away from Columbus. <laughs> Or something like that. And they're like, truly, we are the home oh, of Coca-Cola. Interesting. <laughs> yeah, it was John Pemberton. And, and oh. you know, the, the other funny thing is like, people say, oh, there was no cocaine. And from what I recall, there actually were tiny bits of cocaine yeah, in it back that. in the old days. <laughs> uh, it was not just a myth. <laughs> oh, what else man. were we going to say? <clears throat> oh, we were talking about, uh, we were talking about how um, watching uh, CNN for uh, six, seven, eight hours straight uh, you taint, you uh, end up gaining some facts, um, as I did, and Dude, we were sharing. You were like the master commentator now. <laughs> <laughs> and talking about uh, um, Georgia, um, a, a traditionally Republican state. Yes. Um, and currently, for what we see now, it has flipped to Democrat. And this is the, uh, the third time that this has happened, or the third president for and um do you remember doing over this which two other presidents yeah. that the the georgians voted for i mean the the first one is obvious is jimmy carter i think yeah. i think georgia was the only state he won <laughs> there was there was maybe one more. there's one more uh, no 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 in terms of the states that jimmy carter oh. won because <laughs> he's going up against reagan and reagan yeah. dominated uh, yes, but, um, yes yeah yes, i yes. think there was like one more state <laughs> but uh i mean come on and hey of all the presidents who had a the the um, most humanitarian post-presidential career it's got to be jimmy carter yeah all right um then after that uh or aside from him um yeah i mean i don't know man this could go back all the way to the 1700s no man bill clinton bill clinton bill clinton the first time before he got mm, he the got first trouble. black president <laughs> what <laughs> No, I mean, is that it, what they said? Yeah. Really? I mean, no. I wasn't old enough to know. <laughs> I'm like, uh, 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 you the first too, black president I know is Obama. <laughs> uh, no. You were too young to remember on Arsenio him uh, putting the sunglasses on and playing the uh, saxophone. Go watch that uh, video. I, I've seen Family Guy episodes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all your history comes from Family Guy. Um, no, he was, he could, first of all, he considers himself the first black president oh, really? and a lot of people actually do because he did <clears throat> garner a huge amount of black vote he was like you know kind of cool <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and um instead of like uh, you know a bunch of these squares that uh were in office before then uh, hey did i tell you my um jimmy carter story how i no. met jimmy carter no you oh. might have but i don't remember oh my gosh so i went to i went to emory university for college and jimmy carter comes every year and does question and answer for all the Emory students. Mm. Um, like he does even like dumb questions. I know one of the years, uh, the, <laughs> the, the first years I asked like, what kind of under, what color underwear do you usually wear? Oh. And he's like, you think whitey tidies cause I'm old. <laughs> <laughs> well, so, that's what they're brown. <laughs> so anyways. Oh so my I, goodness. That is uh, so he answers all of those. You like write the question, they'll pick it out in lottery. So I'm in the dining hall and, um, you know, I have to use the restroom. Like I have to uh, <laughs> go number one. 
and the dining hall has a restaurant right next to the cafeteria uh, that you can go. So I'm like going, and these two guys in black suits are like, you can't go in there. And of course, dude, I'm a freshman in college. I'm 18. I'm like, why? Dude, I gotta pee. I was like, let me go in. And they're like, sir, you need to find somewhere else. I'm like, I'm gonna pee on myself. I need to go now. And um, oh long story short, they, they kind of pushed me away. So I like ran. <laughs> I know. I mean, they're kind of bigger guys. And then I went to use and came back. And next thing I know, Jimmy Carter walked out of that restroom. No yes. And I was like, Oh, so I start waving, you know, crazily. And he gave us a little wave and I'm like, oh, so that's why they wouldn't let me go. And then I'm like, oh crap, that was secret service. Like I could have taste. And they're not just some like enemy security. No, and again, your college, this is your second week of uh freshman year. And so oh my what goodness. do you know? You're 18. Like I know nothing about it, and I'm like just trying to fight like rebelling like let me go use and the guy just pushes i'm like he's like six foot two 250 all right let me go find another restroom <laughs> dude i wonder if that was the origin it's an origin story like superman uh -huh. like all these superheroes that was the origin of your mimosa phenomenon <laughs> <laughs> after that moment i get scared to go <laughs> i'll explain that at a later time but, yes uh, that could that's your origin story Ooh, that could have been man because oh, i fought man. it real hard and the guy pushed uh, yeah. me back and... but then you realize you better shut up man yeah exactly oh man. so in honor of and i don't know maybe we'll wrap it up with this because because okay. <laughs> um uh, or if there's more so oh no i do have uh oh. two more things or one yeah. more thing actually just uh, going uh, delving into, so I did some little research on Affordable Care Act. And then I actually came across a, a, um, a, a, a law that I don't know if you knew called the uh, E-M-T-A-L-A. Oh, EMTALA, yeah. Did you know about this? I think George Bush, uh, uh, um, uh, who signed that into law? That was Bush, wasn't it? Or Reagan? Uh, let me just double check. Reagan? 1986 yeah that was reagan yeah exactly yeah, 86 maybe. um it, it says that uh you can't refuse care for people who don't have insurance and have a, a qualifying medical condition which is crazy because that was 1986 so that, that was, was not long ago yeah yeah um so and then they had different like uh, obligations like you know like you said can't be refused the other one was like um i think it's the third one that they said where it's a uh, or maybe the second one like the ER, uh, if they have some kind of emergency, then someone has to come and make sure it's yeah. stabilized or you resolved. Gotta, you gotta assess and, and either stabilize them or say it's not a qualifying condition. And, and somewhere along this line uh, gets bound of the on-call system, which <clears> you know they talk about, like if you're on-call, as like a GI doctor and stuff. Back in the past, they were talking about how, you know, this was one of the reasons why, you know, if they're on-call, they have to come in and resolve the issue uh, right, acu yeah. acutely. Whereas, you know, nowadays, I'm sure for any physician out there, they know patients GI bleed, they're hypotensive. I don't know, man. I've called GI doctors. They're like, oh, we'll see them in the morning stabilized. And, yeah. and according to this law, you know, I'm sure there are uh, loops and all this other stuff. It's kind of interesting how all of this kind of came through. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, <laughs> and, you know, to their, the GI point, like the ER's job is to stabilize them, right? You yeah. Know, and then they can certainly decide to see them whenever. And it's crazy how it just came up because literally in 1986, 1987, they found, you know, in Cook County, they had, uh, what does it say? Oh, there we go. 
people were getting dumped and refused at mm. the Cook County Hospital. And yeah. they figured out why was the reason. And 87, 87% of the reason was because they just didn't have insurance. No insurance. Which is just mind-blowing. I know. You would think that that was something that probably was going on for a long time, but no. Yeah. It was only then, after that. Yeah. Yeah. And and then to, to say, um, uh, to see where we've come from 1987, right? All the way to 2020 from, if you don't have insurance, the ER will kick you out. Yeah. To now the Affordable Care yeah. Act and, and uh, Obamacare. We have made... Uh, tremendous uh, progress. Yeah, yeah, in uh, in a much shorter amount of time. Look up the uh, Americans with Disabilities Act. That was uh, enacted by George Bush, I believe, in '92. Uh huh. And you know that was the law that made it wrong to uh, discriminate against disabled people. <laughs> Which is uh, yeah, I see. It. <laughs> you know. When was that? Was that 92? 90. It was 90. 1990. It was exactly when I was born. <clears throat> so that was not that long ago. Wow. Where, you know, and, and now there are all these measures in place to give patients with disabilities, you know, sort of equal footing. Yeah, it's great. I, I think, uh, of course, like we said, uh, we'll probably wrap this up. And we really didn't get into it because we had other things that we ended up, you know, going on tangents and stuff. But talking about... Um, uh, Medicare and Affordable Care Act and just the history of it, because mm -hmm. I think, I, I don't know. And again, maybe I'm not that old, but maybe it's that professional age coming, but all this stuff is kind of interesting to see sure. how recent things are and, and how all of this kind of uh, really um, came together. So to end, uh, of course, people can fact check me because this is uh, per Wikipedia. <laughs> Which, hey, is actually really accurate for the most part. Who? are the first recipients of Medicare as we end the segment. The final trivia as it, 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 as it wraps up not only the presidential trivia, but also a segment to the future episodes of Medicare and Affordable Care Act. Uh, the first recipients in terms of like the year? The program. Or, the program or the... There are specific people. And obviously, oh, if it's trivia, oh, oh. it's someone famous. <laughs> oh, hmm. That's throwing me for a little loop there. I mean, you know, that was like, what, 64? July 30th, 1965, Lyndon Johnson <clears throat> signed this. Yeah, that's when he signed it. Um, would it be the and congressman? According to, no, according president? to the Wikipedia, former president Harry S. Truman and uh -huh. his wife, Lady Bess Truman, were the first recipients of the program. Yeah. Well, that card say, hey, man. <laughs> so to wrap up presidential trivia and also um, uh, future talks about just just the uh, insurance history um, yeah. as we'll see what happens with the uh, presidential election and what would happen with yeah. the Affordable Care Act with Supreme yeah. Court changes and stuff. So yeah, a lot more to talk about. So I will wrap up with my okay. Joe Biden story. All right. <laughs> so back uh, in in golden girls fashion imagine the date 19 what all right so anyway um uh pre-pandemic i was on a trip 
this was just a couple of years ago, I think, somewhere. <laughs> I don't even know where it was. But I was at the Atlanta airport, and um, <clears throat> I think I was going to a conference or something, and I was in the train um, going to my terminal, and I'm, I'm standing. You know, you got the little section where uh -huh. the elderly or the disabled can sit, and I'm just standing there, and who walks in? Joe Biden with like four Secret Service guys, or I guess they were Secret Service or some other security. Were they dressed in suits? Oh, yeah. I know. I got pushed by them. Might have been the same. They might have looked at me. Hey, are you that gin guy from Emily? <laughs> hey, man, that ain't me. I know we all look alike. <laughs> but anyway, so it turned out. So he sat down. Uh huh. I am literally three, four feet from him. I'm just like looking at him like, hmm, that looks like Joe Biden. <laughs> and so just a couple of weeks before, we were at a fundraiser for this great organization, MAP International. Go look it up. They supply medications and medical supplies to um, countries and groups and people who are in need or have undergone natural disasters, et cetera. All right. So um, we know the um, CEO, so he invited us to the fundraiser. Uh -huh. Um, uh, Henry Aaron was there, uh, Sanjay Gupta. <laughs> I don't know why I'm laughing, but anyway. Oh, you met Sanjay Gupta? Yeah, I took a picture with him. You know, he's, he's, he's a little on the shorter side. We sat next to one of the four <laughs> former uh, mayoral candidates, uh, candidates in, for Atlanta, uh -huh. and we talked with him just for a minute, and then he was, he was gone. Then we, just, we talked with his wife for a little while, and, you know, I was, um, now, okay, you know, Technically, I lived in Brookhaven at the time, so I didn't really know Atlanta mayoral um, uh, yeah. politics that well. But um, then we looked it up and it turned out that he was one of the mayoral again. I was like, whoa, maybe oh. I should pay attention. So, so this dude's floating around. He's making contacts. But talking with the wife, she was like, yeah, um, uh, you know, my kids go to Galloway or whatever. And um, <clears throat> uh, fundraiser and Joe Biden's coming. So... You know, it's like Slumdog Millionaire. Like, you get little pieces of information, yeah. and they all come together. And then I look at Joe Biden, I'm like, hey! <laughs> <laughs> like that? Yeah. I'm like, kind of, but in my, in a brute way. But, you know, I try to make it presidential. I was like, yeah. hey, sir, <laughs> you here for the Galloway uh, fundraiser? And I, I pretty much said it like that. And he was like, and he kind of smiled. He's like, no, that's like next week or whatever. I'm here uh -huh. for some other thing. And I was like, all right. And then, like, at this point, I'm like, kind of shaky yeah. <laughs> a little sweaty and i text my wife i'm like you will not believe joe biden is uh -huh. on the same train and you know she's a huge picture fanatic documents everything she's like did you take a picture of them i was like no i'm not gonna freaking security yeah. like you know i'm getting yeah. a mimosa phenomena i don't wanna <laughs> and so and she's like you better take a picture and that was it and so i'm like what the frick so we started going up the escalator and lo and behold he is a two escalator going up he is right next to me oof oof and i'm like if he was way up top that'd be one thing yeah and i'm like okay what am i supposed to do now and i yeah. have my wife in my head yeah you better get that picture hey, it's like the baking man <laughs> <laughs> so halfway up i look at him and i'm like hey can we take a picture and he's like yeah sure man <laughs> So we get to the top, and I'm not kidding. I'm like, at this point, I'm kind of disoriented. Yeah. I don't know what's going on. 
I stopped right at the top. Hundreds of people are trying to get by. I'm like, okay, here's a camera. And they're like, let's take a picture. And he's like, hey, 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 hey let, let's get off to the side. And I'm like, oh, okay, that, that's a great idea. So we get over, security yeah. guy grabs the phone, takes a picture. And, uh, and he looked, he was like, is that good enough? I mean, like he was, you know, when you're talking about the divisiveness of the country now, it's out of control. But, you know, I didn't necessarily agree with all of his politics, but you can see why people like him. He's, he, he just seemed like such a genuine guy. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, some freaking random Asian dude <laughs> with a camera trying to take his picture inappropriately mm. right at the top of the escalator when hundreds of people are trying to swing by. But, you know, just took the time and it, it you know, that's a little bit more of what we need. Now, you know, maybe not with the hair smelling, but, you know, that's a different story. But, <laughs> but just that sort of uh, just genuine concern about people um, was really cool. And I don't know if I would have thought I would ever get so excited internally about meeting a former vice president at that point uh -huh. or someone. But I've had to tell you, man, like my heart was pounding. It was crazy. <laughs> hey, you overcame your uh, mimosa phenomenon yeah, to, to be uh, able to take that picture. Well, the security helped me. <laughs> I, I did not because I'm like, oh, we're at the top. Let's take a picture. <laughs> oh, well, I think... Honestly, to be honest, uh, the other podcast, the other two, I, we had a general idea of what we talked about. This one, I feel like we just kind of talked all over the place. Yeah. It was fun. Time went by fast. Yeah. Hopefully, uh, people uh, appreciated the things we talked because I think there was a lot of uh, historical facts, a lot of uh, interesting yeah. ideas. So uh, stay tuned. We will continue to improve and you will heal, hear the uh, theme song with maybe like one or two lessons of Timberlake <laughs> and they might get better. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> All right. All right. Peace out. See ya. See yeah. ya. <laughs>